DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Dylan Colley on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dylan Colley, how happy are you? I am uh, pretty enthused. It was a decent weekend, to say the least. What'd you guys do? Not as much praying and fasting as you. I remember your prediction, and I thought during that game, I thought, look at him go. He hasn't eaten since he was on the radio. Yeah, exactly. Starved myself. I saw those two interceptions and thought, Dylan's been working it. First rain, then a BYU victory. What are you people up to next? Exactly. Don't ever question it. <laughs> so what was the to you the most impressive part of that win? The one thing that, aside from the win, and you want to beat your rival, but I know you want the rest of the season to go really well too, and you saw it and you thought, if they can do that, then it's going to be really good going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, you kind of... Uh, you look at the way the offensive line played and the kind of just dominance up front. Um, and it's hard not to think, hey, this group of guys up front led by James Empey, if they continue to do what they did throughout the entire season, it's going to be very, very difficult to beat BYU. Um, and, you know, with that foundation, obviously everything just kind of fell into place with the rest of it, right? And, you know, the, the running backs were able to run at 100 miles an hour downhill and make contact, you know, a yard, two yards past the line, which is, is absolutely critical. And so those little things just don't happen without without the offensive line, that, you know, uh, in the way that they play. So I'm stepping back after they won on Sunday thinking, you know, what are we going to talk about and how do we put this in perspective and the one thing that came to my mind is the maturity of the program. And what I mean by that, you got Kalani Sitake's in his sixth year, and so he's a first-time head coach. You got uh, Tuiaki, defensive coordinator, first-time defensive coordinator. He's in his sixth year. You got a bunch of guys on the defensive staff, Ed Lamb, uh, Janelle Guilford. Those guys have been there for a while. Offensively, after two years, they go and make significant changes. Obviously, they bring in Jeff Grimes; he takes off. But they bring in Fessy Zatake, who'd been a coordinator at Weber. They've been at A Rod, who'd been a coordinator at Utah. So all of a sudden, now you got all sorts of experience. Plus, we know with LDS guys, they go on missions. Maybe it takes a year for them to get the body back. So the point being that it's going to take a few years. It's not like every most every other program in the country. You sign somebody, you bring them in in the following season, and then he's ready to go, if not then, by the next year. At BYU, it takes two to three, maybe even four years. Mm-hmm. Look at Jaron Hall in his fourth year. So the point I'm making is that this is where the program is at, and it took some time to get there. Now, with that in mind, you can see that, but do you think the program has arrived now to where, okay, we've got it because now you'll send kids out to do their mission, but you also get kids back now. So the cycle will be what it is. And we should expect, especially with big 12 membership, the program going forward to be able to win consistently. 
Yeah, I, I, I arrived. I don't know if that is, is the right mindset yet. I think there's probably another, you know, depending on how consistent they say this season and then going into next season, I, that type of success will truly determine the future. Are they, is the momentum better than it has been in obviously, you know, probably a decade plus? 100%. And I think they're in a extremely, extremely good place to kind of catapult themselves into that discussion where it is, hey, BYU's going to win consistently, you know, for the next 10, 15 years because of the talent that, you know, we'll expect to have. Uh, due to, you know, obviously the maturity in the program, due to the announcement of, of the Big 12 and, and all those pieces. And so um, arrived, probably not. Uh, headed there and, and doing it quickly, absolutely. It was it was a very fast two-year turnaround. And and what we've seen has happened, you know, probably quicker than most, most programs in regards to where they were at and now where they're headed. So it sounds like you're taking a little bit of a wait-and-see attitude. So with Arizona State coming in, are you a little worried that that big emotional win, there's going to be a letdown and you're going to be slamming on the brakes by Saturday night? No, and I think that goes back to the maturity, right? I think if there was one opportunity, like I said the week before, this win determines really what goes forward. Um, and you know, ultimately there is going to be no greater pressure that outside sources put on Jaron and put on the BYU team uh, than, you know, what they've had this last week, right? Everybody wanted them, especially from, right, the the northern side, even though it's not a rivalry to them, right? Everybody from the northern side wanted BYU, the momentum to come to a halt Saturday night, and that's what was expected. And so to have somebody like Jaron who's never started in this game, never played in this game, to come in and show the patience, right, show the maturity that he did, I mean, there isn't going to be a tougher mental task put on him the rest of this season. Unless, right, now I'm not getting ahead of myself here, unless they went out and are looking at, you know, vying for a playoff option, only because, right, that is a, a potential step. You know what I'm saying? So the rest of the season, he's able to look back and say, okay, I got through that and look at how I did it, right? Now he just kind of has a clear path to use it as, you know, that foundation and, and stepping stone to, to start, you know, taking baby steps even higher. I'm interested to know what you think about the Big 12 membership and what that can do. The way I look at it is that there's going to be, uh, particularly in the West, a fair amount of kids who are going to want to go to BYU because they're because it is BYU. They're of the uh, religious aff- affiliation. I look at your brother Austin, who was a big-time player, mm-hmm. could have gone to a number of schools, obviously played in the NFL, but he wanted to BYU for you know, football and probably the religious connection. So they'll get those kids. But how about the possibility of expanding to maybe get some other kids and really make a difference in a program? Uh, it's going to be – it is going to be absolutely huge. I think the main name you look at in the past and you say, okay, what's the potential, right, is is Jamal, is Jamal Williams. Uh, kid from Fontana, right, came in, non-member, um, and really took hold of the BYU culture, right, and said, hey, I'm not going to 
really conform. There is not this, there might be some pressure to, right, especially almost 10 years ago, but I'm going to be myself and watch me succeed. And so you use that and you see kind of the guys um, that, uh, you know, are willing, right? Five-star, four-star guys that even before the Big 12 membership this past couple of years are saying, yeah, BYU is a place to be. And now that momentum is only going to carry. And I talk about momentum because right now I don't think that there's a program, uh, you know, within, you know, outside of maybe, you know, the, the other power fives and the SEC teams, right? But when you talk about momentum in recruiting, BYU has probably the most, most momentum going forward because of the Big 12. And then you look at guys that are willing and wanting to play at a program that has, you know, a winning culture, and that's where they're headed. A program that's in a power five, and that's where they're headed. A program that has, you know, unbelievable swag and partnerships with some of the largest companies in the world, one of the best Nike partnerships in the world, right? You take those three things and you give that to an 18-year-old kid, it's, uh, it's a shoe-in, right? No matter what is happening outside of that, those three things are going to carry recruiting for a very long time. And then you look at the values of the school, uh, and it's the same thing that happened for Nicole Williams, Jamal's mom. And she said, I want my son to be here. And so all of those things kind of lined up, and then you end up having, right, in my opinion, the greatest running back in BYU history. Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. Everything's coming up roses. You sound very positive right now. Are there any potholes you see going forward? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always going to be, you know, how does everybody respond, right? Or how long can you stay on cloud nine and what's your mindset moving forward? It goes back to, are we looking at it as a foundational thing or are we looking at it as, oh, we're already at the top? And it can be difficult with all of the hype and with everything and the notoriety, right, and the attention. It's kind of difficult to look at it as, hey, we're just getting started. People can say it but how do we actually mean it, right? And so the, the big question is going to be how does this team, you know, look at it as, hey, we still have a long way to climb, even though we're going to get there together, right, and we have a really good opportunity to, we can't fall off thinking that this is the top of it, right, because we're only two games into the season. So that's, that's hands down my biggest worry. About the Nakua brothers, what they bring, you know, there was a little bit of trash talking, taking off the helmets. That's something we normally see in Provo, but is that something that's actually needed? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at the other guys that have brought that type of mentality. You look at the mentality that Max and Austin brought to the game. You look at the mentality that Jamal brought to the game, right? There's this chip on the shoulder and confidence knowing Hey, we really we can't be stopped, and and you're gonna you're gonna have to stop me because I'm not stopping right myself. And so, what Puka and Samson did Saturday, Puka right coming in doing what he did, expected necessary right to play that physical. That's why he is the highly touted receiver that he is, and that's why he's going to be unbelievably successful. What Samson did on Saturday, even outside of the play, to mentally break down that team, right? That he really did. He, he left, okay, for obviously 
different reasons that we, you know, can assume and say, hey, yep, you wanted to go play at BYU. But the reaction that you, the teammates were giving him, right, kind of that, hey, you're being cut off, the friendship, the loyalty, and then to have him come back and do what he did, right, and then to kind of open it up, I don't think people understand how difficult that is for someone and for an entire team to take, right? And I think that was a huge part of kind of that mental dominance that BYU had on Saturday simply because of what Samson was doing to his whole team. And, you know, are there moments where it can become a little much? Sure. But ultimately, right, those penalties and and that kind of, you know, uh, that mentality that that those two dudes had, and especially Samson and what he was able to kind of do to his old team, um, that's the type of mentality that needs to be carried the rest of the season. So what's your level of confidence for being Arizona State? Both teams are 2-0. and Both teams are ranked. Whoever loses this, that's early in the season and kind of disappear off the national radar. But if you win this at 3-0, and a little higher ranked, it sets the stage for the next thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going up against a very, very similar team to Utah, right? And, and then being in the Pac-12, I think that there is going to be a little bit of a, hey, these guys – you know, like I said, Saturday night, these guys think that they have a place in the Pac-12. Um, and so they're, you know, obviously a very athletic team. They're extremely well coached. Uh, I think they're one of those teams that's starting to turn a corner in terms of momentum in the same way that the UAU has. And so, you know, you have uh, the opportunity to really kind of close out uh, a solid three weeks. Um, you know, I... I do believe that BYU is in the best position to win, um, especially with it being back at Lavelle Stadium uh, and kind of the energy that was brought this last weekend. I, I think that continues on, um, and you know it, it's obviously going to be a very good game. But uh, I think I think BYU is in the driver's seat. So the last time BYU fans stormed the field, and I had no problem with them doing it. It's fun. It's college, so you know, go ahead and do it. <laughs> was uh, September fourteenth. Uh, 2019 against SC, right? You remember that game was in uh-huh. overtime. Yeah. And the point I'm getting to is that it's such emotion expense, expended as it was uh, Saturday night. And then I'm looking at the schedule right now, and then they lose the next three weeks. Uh, Washington handled them at home, and then they go to Toledo and South mm-hmm. Florida and lose. So what's your level of concern on carryover emotionally? Yeah, there's, I mean, once again, right, you go back to the level of the maturity of the team. The USC win, right, did that deserve a, a storming of the field? Probably not. Um, and so, you know, the, the leadership and the guys that are, are here now have been there long enough to see that they've lost those three games after last USC win, right? Uh like I said, is it something to worry about? Absolutely, right? Because it's a matter of what your mindset is and where your vision's at. Is it a foundational win or is it the cloud nine? And if you're already at cloud nine, then everything else you're kind of looking down as, you know, hey, it doesn't really matter. Whereas I believe the program is in a position, especially with the coaches in place now, that, hey, it's a foundational win, and we go up from here. And so that energy from the team needs to be kind of shown throughout the season. It doesn't matter really what the fans do, 
right? The fans are going to be obnoxious. The fans are going to do what they want. As long as the team stays within the locker room and, and focuses on the next one, then, you know, they should, they should be able to overcome. Dylan, as always, we appreciate the time. We will talk to you next week. And uh, I think most of the fan base just looks to you now. More fasting, more praying, 3-0, baby. It's all you. You've got the power. Absolutely. All right. Dylan Cauley. All right, Dan. Dylan Cauley took a deep breath, predicted BYU over Utah, backed his guys, and got it right. Now can they double down? Could you bring up an important point there, PK? We know it's a sport of emotion. Been told a million times how important it is. We've seen how important it is. And last time they had a win like this at home, it didn't go well afterwards. No, they lost three, then they turned around and won five. That was a season of streaks. <laughs> it was very crazy. And I think in that South Florida, I think Zach played the whole Toledo game, but got hurt in South Florida. And Jaron came in, and they in South Florida were not very good. He broke his uh, hand against Toledo, and then Jaren, right at the end, right, Jaron started against South Florida, threw a yeah. pick, yes. and and, chasing and him was down. chasing him down, and got hurt right at the end of the game. Uh, so. It's important to back it up, you know. And a lot of emotion was expended. And I just remember that time that uh, the Utes had BYU in his emotional game, and then they went down to Tempe and just yep. got rolled, man. And they weren't even competitive in that game. It was over. It was over early. And I think that was the game Kyle said, you're a Sun Devil, you're, and now you're enjoying this. I'm thinking, ooh, I'm cringing over here. <laughs> I'm not enjoying this whatsoever. So this, it comes back to the emotional maturity of the program, and there's obviously guys on the team right now who were there two years ago and remember what happened against USC. And is that enough to prevent it from happening again or it happens it, again? I, I don't think it happens again. See, the Washington game – now, Washington, I can argue, was better than the Devils. Remains to be seen. It's so early in the season, you don't know. Uh, that was the fourth game, uh, not the second game. When they played SC, they had already uh, lost to the Utes. Uh, they had the Tennessee win, which was emotional. Mm-hmm. Overtime, two. They, they say two overtimes. I just view it as all as overtime. Uh, and then they come back. Now it's at home. But then the Washington game was also at home. It was 45-19. You know, I got I got Smoke pretty good there. Yeah, got rolled. Uh, so I don't think it'll be that bad. I don't know that they'll win, but I don't think that they'll get smoked by any stretch. I can see where the emotion plays a factor, and maybe we're sitting here next week saying, well, that was the difference in the game. I don't think it'll carry over to three weeks. Because the program's in a better place, the emotional maturity, the coach is more experienced, all that stuff. I don't think it'll get that out of hand. But that doesn't make Arizona State a slam dunk by any stretch. Oh, yeah. I think it's a, you just look at the line. It's like two or three you said yeah. yesterday. So obviously it can go either way. Uh, it's it's a very nice test. The schedule this year is just awesome. Uh, the, all these Pac-12 teams, especially for me, you know, it's what I live for. Although I will make the transition very much easily to following Big 12 in a couple of years. And very it much started like, last weekend. Oh, totally. And now... Yeah, we lock onto these schools. I'm, I yeah, that that's re-energized me. I can only imagine the athletic program. I'm I'm excited for them. Conference games, they just simply matter. I've said it for years that conference games. You take a team that isn't necessarily that good, but it's a conference game. We've seen it a thousand times in the back twelve, back ten. Teams that should not win. It's a conference game at home. They get jacked up, and then they win. We've seen it so many freaking times. And ASU beats Oregon and knocks them out of the playoff. Yeah. 
That's the best, most recent example. Shocking, shocking loss there for the Ducks with a with a great quarterback, NFL dude, and NFL running backs. Maybe you know Verdell was younger than just a freshman. Now he's a junior. He's a stud. And Ch- Die is a stud. Johnny Johnson. Those guys were young. They're still on the still in the program, by the way. Now. Johnny Johnson, of course, you know where he played his high school ball, don't you? Yeah, in the Phoenix area. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to decide whether to guess Phoenix or Thunderbird. That was literally what I was weighing. I'm like, no, it can't be Thunderbird. I'd know if it were Thunderbird. No, we only put out soccer guys. Oh, you do? Yeah. That's it? <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, we'll catch you up to date next. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a disappointing loss in the Holy War, the Utes look to rebound as they hit the road to square off against an old Mountain West Conference rival in San Diego State. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Give us to Williams right up the middle. He's got a hole. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Tyson Williams. And welcome to the Baltimore Ravens. Takes a snap, fires on a cross, spin. Jackpot, baby. Vegas touchdown. Card of Darren Waller. Blitz is picked up. Jones is open. Jackpot, baby. Vegas touchdown. This time, no doubt. Put it in the W column, baby. This one's over. Adam, baby. (laughs) Brent with the babies. Yeah. Football Friday presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. He's 82 years old. And he is into Raider football. Baby. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) That was a wild and crazy, thoroughly entertaining, Steve Martin. freakishly, yeah, right? (laughs) Freakishly sloppy. Monday night football game. Does somebody want to protect the ball here? How many turnovers do I get to see in overtime? Well, plus the game ended. Everybody shakes hands, hugs. No, it didn't end. Uh, So they had to get back out on the field. Touchdown! Wait, upon further review. And on further review, is right, he was down at the one. Yeah, he wasn't in. Yeah, it was obvious. And then they have a weird interception, bounces off the hands of their own player, it smacks off the helmet of another player, goes straight up in the air. Baltimore gets a pick. The reaction shots were awesome. Gruden's stuff was all over the field. Like some kid who dropped his backpack at the bus stop. The wind is scattering it everywhere. I find myself rooting for BYU, the Vegas Raiders. Because you know, I feel like they're they're our team. We have them on our station. I still think we should send get everybody together and go down there since we have this uh, games on our station. Send us all down there for a home game. Put us in that suite. And as long as we're next to Mark Davis, none of us can have the worst haircut there. <laughs> <laughs> I just I feel a, a connection to the Raiders that I've never had, ever. No reason to. When even when I lived there and 
They were in L.A. when you were in L.A. Yeah. I mean, I like Todd Christensen. Little did I know that I would get to know him. <laughs> And then I know have arguments with him about his fancy vocabulary. Don't patronize me. Well, quit using big words, Todd. (laughs) And then he did some basketball too, I think. And I saw him out on the road, and he was always fun to talk to. Gone way too soon, that's for sure. Yep, enjoyed covering his son Toby. Uh, But now I feel a connection to the Raiders. I, I, I find myself wanting them to win. We got Lincoln Kennedy on every Thursday, right? And he does the color with Brent Musburger. Yeah, I feel like I'm a quasi Raider fan. You and me both. My wife mentioned that to me last night. She's like, "You, you can't a, be." No, no, but she's she has mentioned the fact I have like this. You have a team, and it's the Niners. I'm aware, and they loathe each other. Hold on for a second here. My wife has mentioned the fact that I have like a kind of a unique interest in them, and I've yeah. kind of described it like PK. It's just because of the connection right. between Vegas and Salt Lake He was City. a free agent. I'm he aware. can sign up whoever you want. I am you fully want. aware. I am a born and bred Niners fan, but I've got You can this, have a connection to I've them. got this interest in the Raiders I've never had I've, before. I, I, that's exactly you, you where I'm at. You need to maximize it at interest then, because you are... You are flirting he's with not, danger. He's not trading any allegiance. He's just bringing... I mean, we're in a community Coming where you there, love, love one another. Butt. You love all. Some people even love them even more than we think you should. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> There's room enough in my heart. It was doctrine back then, buddy. Don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. I didn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I find myself pulling for the Raiders. There's <laughs> you a, find yourself attracted to the silver and black. And I'm <laughs> I'm in Vegas a fair amount of times for other reasons, and uh, I, I, I would uh, I would think at some point I would be in that stadium on game day for a Pac-12 title game. You were just there for a game day, BYU in Arizona. I know, but I meant NFL. But yeah, it was great oh, for an to NFL see. game day. Great, yeah. yeah, I met the Raiders. It was great to see that they've been waiting for two years. Uh, that typical Raider fans, they look like freaks. We don't see much of guys. It's not like going to a BYU basketball game where you see people knitting and then you see a (laughs) bunch of people at midcourt on suits. Some people say both those things are freaky at basketball games. So go be freaky at a Raider game. (laughs) Knitting at a game? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Nope, right there. What's wrong with that? Maybe you have a nervous energy, so you knit. Right, Jerry West couldn't watch the games. He was so nervous. Pace and the concourse. Yeah, so she was a staple of BYU. Maybe knitting is the way to relax you as you're watching the games, especially in a couple years when Kansas and Baylor and these teams are coming oh, in. Oh yeah, man, that High is gonna, just, just gonna electrify winter nights. That's for sure. And the TV people, they're going to love that because the place is going to be packed. Everybody wants a good studio audience. Yeah, the atmosphere is going to be as section, literally right? as good as anywhere. Yep. Man, but look at everything is turning up roses for BYU these days. Is that going to lead to a Pac-12 joke? No. Okay. I don't know if you're leading to a Rose Bowl and, you know. Well, I had heard. That's uh, still a phrase from Mr. Musburger. Jackpot, baby. I, I'd heard that BYU was, they were searching out other options uh, along with the Big 12. Yeah. And Blaine Fowler had come on and said the, the Pac-12 was a possibility, and I had heard that, and I had reported that. 
Uh, it was a long shot, but now they're they got this marriage. They're embarking on a new marriage. There it as, is, as uh, Bowlesby told us. Right? He did. <laughs> Let the honeymoon begin. Yes, and begs the question: Will it be an eternal marriage? Nothing in college football seems to be eternal these days. No, but yet a lot of it is. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State are still playing. That one you got me. So there's been, now there's been a lot of movement, but, there's, <laughs> but still, the crux of the conferences have remained the same. The crux of some of the conferences have remained the same, yes. The Big Ten, the teams, the 10 teams that were in the Big Ten when we were kids are still there. Yeah. Now they got... Four new dance well, same partners. Same thing with the Pac-12, yeah. Pac-10, the crux of that the conference. has become the 10 and the 12, right. And, but the crux of the conference yes. is still there. And I can argue the SEC, too. Even though they've undergone massive change, still significant portions of the big, of the SEC is still the SEC. Yes. If that breaks up, then all hell breaks loose. That's what it would take. Because they got that's, it going on. That's really when you're going to that 32-36 yeah, super yeah, yeah. team. And it's massive, widespread right. and change. It, at that point, the top half of the SEC is blowing kisses to Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. And, See you guys later. We're out of here. Mississippi State? Out. Maybe Ole Miss, too. Who knows? Ole Miss? What? We got the blind side? Eli Manning? Archie Manning. Goodbye, Archie Manning. Maybe Goodbye, Arch South Manning. Carolina. His grandson. Maybe Arch, yeah. We'll see if it comes to that. If it is, it'll be a South while. Carolina? Steve Spurrier? Lou Holt? Javion Clowney? Jadavion <laughs> Clowney? Didn't they win a Heisman? They have a guy, was his name Rogers? Yes, they had a was running George? back in the 80s. Trying to give me something to look up and distract me. Or Johnny. Again. Johnny was uh, Nebraska. Right, so it was George, wasn't it? All right, we'll look it up for you. <laughs> My gosh. The Gamecocks? Come on. The other USC. George Washington Rogers Jr. is a former American college and professional football player who won the Heisman Trophy playing for the University of South Carolina. Told you, told you, told you, told you, told you, told you, told you. 1980. <laughs> Somebody had to win it in between USC running backs. Told you, told you, told you, told you, told you, told you, told you. That's fun to say fast, by the way. Other things we've talked about this morning. Clay Helton gets fired at USC. Told you, told you, told you, told you, told you. Okay, but literally everybody told Okay, I'm not saying I said it. He was dead man walking since 2018. I feel bad for the guy. He's such a good dude. How do you feel about his $12 million buyout? feel great for the guy. <laughs> He's such a good dude. <laughs> Have some massive amounts of cash. You've made a lot, and here's a fabulous parting gift. It still sucks because he wants the job, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coached him to a Rose Bowl. Would have liked to coach him back to a Rose Bowl. But they're thinking playoff, and they have never been in the playoff. Oregon's been once. Washington's been once. USC has never been. Mm -hmm. And that bugs the Trojan alumni. Immediately, because I think everyone had these stories written, so they just <laughs> just had to copy and paste and then uh, upload, and away we go. Immediately, there were the analyses of who are the top ten candidates for the USC job, knowing full well they've had to hire candidate three, four, or five in the past. So you better have a list. You went to one name right away. The advantage of firing now is you can talk to anybody who doesn't have a job. 
And there's two high-profile coaches who don't have a job, but only one of them has West Coast ties. And you can indirectly talk to anybody, too, but you can directly talk to guys who are not currently employed as coaches. Uh, Stoops from Oklahoma has been out for a while, but I think Chris Peterson's my guy. I think if he wants the gig. He's choice number one. For me. Does he really want in? I don't know. I saw people writing yesterday both that he definitively wanted back in and they definitively did not want back in. Well, so I, I can't get more opposite than that. It was totally opposite. Like, I just, an hour ago, I read the exact opposite. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, then there's the people who have jobs. Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, who has a relationship with USC AD because USC AD hired him when he was a Cincinnati AD. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. How about and, and Urban Meyer? Would he pull a Nick Saban? Leave Jacksonville after a year, or maybe after 12 or 14 games? Uh, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that. I also have a seen a hard time him losing, too, uh, and admitting defeat. I mean, he, he just, this is not who he is, but, you know, anything is possible uh, for sure. Uh, James Franklin, they're talking about Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. He's on the list. And he's done a great job there. The well, point was made with him is not only has he done a good job building the Penn State program back up, but he went to Vanderbilt, a very hard place to win, and he has the charisma to whip up energy around the program. And USC wants that. And it's Hollywood. It needs to be fun. Your coach needs to be outgoing. and Well, he needs to win. He does. But he checks both boxes. He's got the charisma. And he can win. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, f- I'm fine with it. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, there's five names that have been thrown I, out there. I, right, I, away. I would think that would be a good hire. Uh, you never know, and I'm going to stay with that. That I never know uh, until the guy's there and he's doing his thing after you know two, three, four, five years. But it looks like on the paper, on paper, that uh, he would be pretty good. And there's plenty of other names, other coaches who've won. Mario Cristobal was one name thrown out there. He's got Oregon up and running. You'd leave Oregon for SC? Seems like that's how you get leverage and you get, uh, you get a raise maybe, but you wouldn't actually do to that. To me, if you can't get Oregon going, something's wrong. He's got Oregon going. They just but have so get, much freaking wouldn't money. Wouldn't you say the same thing about USC? If you can't get USC going, something's wrong. They're not short on money. I don't know that they have Nike money, and especially going, especially going forward the NIL. Basically, you're going to be an employee of Nike. I mean, it's right there, obviously. Sure, but L.A. Hollywood. Yeah, but it's like it's almost like it's too big. You can get lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin's name got thrown out there. That would be an incredible uh, return to glory. Except he didn't have glory. <laughs> I wouldn't go there. He'll give you the circus, but will he give you the substance? Bill O'Brien, after he goes to the Nick Saban School of Coaching. Uh, yeah, but how many of those guys have done stuff? Now, there's been some. They get gigs. Sarkeesian got Texas, and they got blown out by Arkansas. Yeah, Loxley at Maryland and mm-hmm. Kiffin. See what he does there. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go in that direction. No, I would, 
I would go for a proven winner. To me, Chris Peterson's an absolute proven winner. West Coast I guy. I don't think it's debatable. He's won a ton. He's been to a playoff at Washington. I think he won a couple conference titles. One playoff, one Rose Bowl. And obviously he's got the resume from his days at Boise State as well. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll represent you extremely well. He's only 56 years old. Plenty of time for him to come in, have a good decade, hit the oh, road. Oh, easily. Easily, yes. Easily. Yeah. That, that, that's my The other reason to choice. make the change now. You know, he's because born it's... in California, Northern California. He... Where? Oh, where was it? He's a UC Davis guy, I believe. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, didn't he go to Sac State or something? UC Davis, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let me call This is out. where he screamed, Did he just say that? <laughs> uh, he play, no, he played quarterback at Sacramento City College and then transferred to UC Davis, so both. Okay. So I think Yuba City's up there, right? Yuba City is yeah, up there. I, he's in, I know he's in Northern California. Yeah. He has extensive roots there. I know that. That that's for sure. That I already knew that. So and that's a you know, eight, ten hours away, but he's just a proven winner. Born in Yuba City, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that because I've been a big fan of his for a, a long time. Yep, born and raised in Yuba City. You played at Yuba City High School and Northern California guy. Yeah. So we'll see how that shakes out, but the short-run question is, how much does that open the door for the Utes in the Pac-12 South? How much does it open the door for everybody in the Pac-12 South? For this year? Yeah, you can go one of two ways, you know? It could uh, just, every, every man for himself, we're at the coaching staff, probably out of there. You would assume most of them are, and they hold over one or two guys for recruiting links. The, the good thing about making the change this early, as unorthodox as that is, you're the second, because UConn obviously is going to have their change. But the recruiting date is much earlier now. So if you are going to hire a coach who's out of work, you can get them and you can start recruiting. Because otherwise you can lose a whole recruiting class. Because the early signing date with coaching changes, I mean, it is right on top of you. I mean, February didn't give you much time, but the December date? Say goodbye to a class if you wait well, until the end yeah, of the year. Yeah, not just that, too, because everyone can transfer mm-hmm. and be eligible next year. So I think losing a recruiting class, I don't think it's as big of a deal anymore. Because you can fill in with transfers. Yeah, easily. So whoever you're going to lose... But you don't buy a lot of the transfers. I mean, the guys transferring all have baggage and have issues. You don't bottom out in the same way. But it's not the same as being USC and crushing it. The way you need to crush it if you're going to win at the level they expect you to win at. Yeah, but that's four years from now. Three years from now. At SC, do you have three years? (laughs) Well, Clay Hilton got them. (laughs) But that could be one of a kind situation with all the other stuff that was going on at USC. Right, right, right. So I wouldn't get somebody in just to save a recruiting class. No, because no, some of those guys you, are going to si- sign with SC anyway. But if you know you're going to make a change, go ahead and make it. And they knew they were going to make a change. That's the thing, Stanford yeah. gave them the excuse to do it. They did. They did. Yeah, and in the fan base booing and all that. It's a bad, bad look. Yeah. You're going to get blown out. Get blown out at home. I mean, on the road. Don't get blown out at home. 
That way you can get fired on the tarmac like Lane Kiffin. Yeah. They were coming for Clay at some point. There was no way around it. I know. That's, that's why I felt bad for him. Right. But now, what does it do to the Pac-12 South? The Utes have gone down there twice and played interim coaches before. They lost both times. SC finished 6-3 and three in conference both times. Both times USC was 1-2 and two going into that Utah game and won and finished strong. At the same time, 6-3, and three, somebody's getting them. Obviously, Stanford already did. Well, the most stable program in the South is now even more stable. Utah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these programs have been on three, four coaches, and old Kyle, Yeah. the only thing different is he's letting his hair grow. <laughs> <laughs> he is letting his hair grow. Which I personally love. No, you do? Yes. Why is that? Why not, man? Mulleted back, finally a ponytail. Do something different. Why not? Yeah, let it grow. If my wife wouldn't schedule a haircut for me all all the time, I would do it. Looking like Mike Gundy out there with the mullet. I'm not a mullet guy. No, I'm not, I've never been a mullet guy. Not you, yet. No, mullets. There's a reason I don't like them. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. USC needs a player coach, not somebody like Wit. Which is a little more hard-nosed. They need somebody that can bring celebrities in and be uh, more lighthearted than what they would need. Uh, Your feedback. Time to get you updated on everything you've thought about today's show. And there is one college football fan saying they need someone with some charisma. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about Kyle going to SC at this point in his life. I think that uh, he's going to finish it up here, and and that'll do it. John tweets at us, USC will suck, and Utah will beat them, but ASU is still taking the South. Okay. I mean, it's not out of the realm. Brett says UCLA can make a run in the South. I agree. They got a running game that seemed to... I always thought they could. Give Utah some problems. I said before the season they were going to be a tough out. They got momentum. But momentum is uh, somewhat temporary for a lot of these teams. They've got it now. But you lose a game or two and you'll feel differently. And then also, too, uh, teams that don't have momentum can get it. Stanford couldn't have looked worse. Game one. Yeah. Looked really good game two. Yeah. What impact does Clay Elton's dismissal have on the use this season? Andrew says none. They got stomped by BYU. Any expectations should be very watered down by now. No, I disagree. Because BYU is a good team. You got beat by a good team. So Ohio State expectations are watered down. Because they lost. At home. I don't think so. Josh says Clay Helton. Being gone is going to have zero, all caps, zero impact. Hard to believe it's going to have zero impact. Yeah, I don't know that. I can't say that. It can have a significant impact, man. For better or for worse. It could be rally around and nobody believes in us, blah, blah, blah. Or it could be, yeah, we lost a couple more games. This season's going nowhere. I got to make sure I got good stats and good tape for the NFL. All about me. 
Yeah, because if you're getting a scholarship to SC and you're starting, you're thinking NFL. Without a doubt. Three years in NFL, yeah. Yeah, so you could see that. And Graham Harrell now, he's got an audition. This is an audition. He's the offensive coordinator. He's auditioning for jobs right now. And B.S. says, Clay Elton's firing means nothing to Utah as of now. We couldn't even score on the team down south. Yeah, I'm still bitter, and I do not see a light at the end of the tunnel this season. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Got another guy texting me, a Ute fan texting me. They're going to go 6-6. Six and six. Mark it down. I don't think they go anything worse than 8-4. and four. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands to Scotty are next. We will see you tomorrow.